The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across me is the one, the only, the terrible Squatch Tammy Underwood. All right, let's just get right into the third and fourth calls that we got on Christmas Eve from Keith Jesperson. And welcome back, Keith. Yeah, okay, here we are again. Did, <laughs> did you miss me? <laughs> yeah. With every shot so far, Squatch. You know what? With every shot so far. <laughs> you know what? You're going to keep calling me that. Nobody's going to know who you're talking about. Keith won't know you're talking about me. No. <laughs> Everybody knows that I call you Squatch because I say it on the show all the time. I was going to say, does Keith know you call me that? I got, I got to tell Keith what you got me for Christmas because this oh my is God, yes. tremendous. So check this out. I collect Pez dispensers, and I have since I was a child. And uh, she found two of them that I didn't even know existed. They're Bigfoots, like a Sasquatch. And I've got one that's a, a Yeti, that's an ice yeah. Sasquatch, an ice Bigfoot, and one that's a regular Bigfoot, and I am just tickled. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's something that he'll always remember me by if he looks at him later after, you know, we, we stop being friends because I... Hate him because <laughs> you want to kill me because I want to hurt you. Messed up jokes, yeah. No, I, I feel your pain. But yeah, no, he's called me Bigfoot forever because I wear a size fourteen when it comes to Nikes in men's, and he thinks that's large. She wears a size thirty-two. <laughs> They're like clown size shoes. Fourteen in Nike because Nike runs small. You wear you wear clown <laughs> shoes. That's what the hell you wear. You wear clown shoes. See what so I have to put up with. Collect- so you're a Bigfoot collector, is that right? No, no he's a Pez collector, but he calls me. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, so I, you know, it's just something that you know, it's personal between him and I. Yeah, I've got Pez's well, all the way back from the seventies. Where I was, where I was born and raised, the Chilliwack, the Fraser Valley area, is a very known, very well known Sasquatch area. Really, like, Tammy, you're Canadian. Yes, if you if you if you go to Harrison Hot Springs, which is on the north side of of the Fraser River, over by Harrison Lake, right? There's the uh, there's, as you come into town, you'll probably see a statue, a, a carving of a Sasquatch. Hey! As you come into town, yes. My people! And of course, <laughs> so you, and, and Chilliwack Lake is a known hot spot for uh, oh. Sasquatch as well. We yes. Don't we have like a Sasquatch University or something like that yeah, it's here? Like a, it's a Sasquatch Foundation. It's over in Boring, Oregon. Uh, it's Boring or Damascus, I can't remember. Because um, every time I'm coming over Mount Hood and I take 26 down, there's a big sign right there. As you, like if the, I think the next exit is Orient or Kelso, I can't remember, but uh, it's it's right there and it says uh, the Sasquatch Institute. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So have you ever have you ever saw one? I have not. I have. She sits right across from <laughs> yeah, me. She's you, right there right say now. That. Big old hairy beast. <laughs> the hairy beast. Well, yeah, well anyway. I've, just, I'm not going to make any ill claims, but you know I've heard I've heard bumps in the night. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but no. Scott makes fun of me because my hair also because now that I had a child, my hair is like kind of kink, like a wavy, curly. So when when I wake up in <laughs> after taking a shower at night, it's all everywhere because it frizzes. And he goes, "I'm not even going to say any jokes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah. So where do you want to go now? Um, right. <laughs> um, so let me see here. Um, where did we leave off? Okay, we talked about the first car. Now, um, another question 
I had okay that's what I was going to talk about because you know you were talking about the crushes and stuff you had in school now is it true that you never went to like a school dance or anything like that with anybody well I went to the civic center and uh and had uh, no I never went to prom with any of the girls I never went only after high school I went to the toga dance with a girl named Rita <laughs> okay. only because I, I was over at the gas station where I worked Alder Severin there off of Terrace Heights. And every day these three girls would come in and they'd try to talk me into taking Rita to the toga dance. And I kept saying, I don't know who Rita is. <laughs> she was in she was in Seattle High she, she in Seattle High School. I was graduated already. Okay. Apparently apparently she had a crush on me and I didn't know I had a cr- girl with a crush on me. Oh. And then um, they wanted me to uh, take her to the toga and I finally I said, I, I can't go, I, I, I'm busy, I don't, I got this. And they kept looking to find out if I was working or not. And and they, they finally caught me at a point and said, all right, you, you got nothing going on, you got to take her. And I said, well, I guess I have to, I guess. Right, so I, right. I went over and I picked her. Now, now her, they lived over in the in East Sela in a mobile home park. You pull in the exit to the first house on the left. And I pulled in there and I, I had to drive in my Jeep. And uh, she gets in, she was dressed in a white, uh, fluffy dress, and we went to the dance. Now, her parents, this is the typical, her parents took all the pictures in, on the front yard. Right, right. I thought, Jesus, everything is going like, this is going to be a marriage out in heaven for her, I guess. Right. I don't know, this is the way the parents are looking at it, her, their, their child's first date. Wow. And here I am driving her off and this and of course I was told to bring her back by 10 o'clock which is fine right you know, it was it was awkward um, we did dance everything's okay but I felt weird because I was no longer in high school right but I can now understand I was here that. taking a girl to the high school dance the toga dance which is actually they're supposed to be the ones asking me out not oh, me okay. asking them out that's what a toga dance is Okay, so it's like the, the Sadie out. Hawkins type thing where the girl asks the guy. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So that's, what this, that's how this dance went. No, I never went to the prom. I uh, never had the uh, desire to go to a prom dance. See, uh, it, didn't, it didn't appeal to me. See, I was going to ask if it was because you just didn't want to and it, it was no interest to you or if it was because of, you know, any other reason. Well, you know, we worked a lot in, in my dad's factory after right. school. Um our, our our lives was was geared around working. Right. I don't even know. I don't think my brother Bruce went to the prom or my brother Brad. Oh, okay. So then so why is it a big deal that you didn't go? Why is it a big deal for me? I mean, I don't think, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think my sister Jill went. Uh, Sharon was, was, had gotten married before she, got, before she got out of high school. Right. <laughs> she was your sister that had to get married, right? Yes, she was. Okay. She was the one that had to get married. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't I didn't learn about that until after, you know, twenty years later. Wow. I was I was I was like I say, I didn't count the days when they when the baby came. Right. I know you they never really think about that. Baby baby came and then they got divorced and I didn't count now her her you know, my sister's daughter, Tracy, nice girl. She's she works for um or something like that. One of those big um, IT companies. Oh wow! 
yeah, she's on the legal department of one of these big major, uh, you know, Mattel or something like that. Wow. Anyway, yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah. Yeah, none of I don't think anybody Jespersons went to the Fromm dance. Okay, so then it's not like it was unique to you specifically because no, I, I never thought about it. I mean, yeah. I didn't have. I didn't have, uh, let's say, I didn't have the girl. I, now, if I had a constant girlfriend. Right. Let's just say that if I hadn't had, had this, let's say Janine and I had hooked up and we were like the constant. Right. You could bet she would have had me go to the prom. Oh, yeah. Like a steady. Oh, you bet. I yeah. Mean, that's what would have happened. She right. would have had that happen. Now, her best friend, Ethel Davison, which is another short little girl that was beautiful. Now, she had a friend, and I don't know they went to the prom. I don't know what, what happened with that, but uh, I'm sure if I, if I had, been, had a steady, yes, it would have been a, a okay. done deal. It would have had to have done. Okay. But I didn't have a I didn't have time for a steady. Right. Okay. No, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, actually, it makes more sense now because it was like, because when I read it, it made it sound like it was unique to you that, you know, your brothers and sisters enjoyed, uh, you know, the traditional high school experience, and you didn't. So the, the big experience the Jespersons had were kegger parties at our house. There we go. <laughs> my father, my father said we he didn't want us to drink outside of the family unit. So we had all the parties at our house. Oh wow! So I was the designated driver for a lot of times where I drive the the drunks home. Well, and you I'd know, clean up the vomit out of my car the next morning. Yeah. See, that's what I couldn't yeah. handle. I would be like, no, dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, I got huh? to know a lot of girls. I'm not, I got to know a lot of girls that were drunks. Oh, yeah, I bet. I had to drive them home. I bet. Yeah. Now, um, along those same lines then, um, you met your ex-wife, Rose, while she was working in a diner, correct? She was working at the Lariat Barbecue on North 1st Street in Yakima. I'd stop by at a, you know, so like just a big old burger place with with the, the huge burgers they put out. And I stopped in about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I picked up a burger and I was made it about two miles down the road. I bit in the burger. There was no meat in the damn burger. <laughs> so I drove drove back to the place. Where the hell is my meat at? And there it was on the grill, right? I said, oh, I wonder where that came from, you know. So I asked her, I'd actually asked the girl who was with her named Pam, I asked Pam out on a date, and Pam said, pawn me off on Rose, okay. why don't you take Rose out? And so I, I took, now Rose was 17 at the time. Okay, and how old were you? And I was 19, okay. I was 19, but I was working for my dad, and I was driving my dad's pickup truck. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, and then you guys uh, just. You guys just started dating, and then, you know. Well, she didn't want me to drive. She didn't want me to know where she lived. Okay. She, she, she allowed me to drive her somewhere close to where her house was, but she didn't want me to know where she lived. Okay. And apparently, and her mother didn't like me at all, of course. Right. And then the only thing that the only thing that made things where she liked me was the fact that her mother's sister was my English teacher in Sela. Oh, okay. And when when her aunt, I mean her, my my old English teacher was at their house. She said, "I hear Rosie's got a new boyfriend." And of course, and her mother said, "I don't like him." <coughs> well, who, who is he? He's from Sela, Washington. And of course, he 
she said that it was Keith Jesperson, and her her aunt said that I was the greatest guy in the world. Oh wow! <laughs> and that from that point on, her mother liked me. Wow. Now, um, kind of, that's kind of like how it went. Right. You know, that's always how it is, but right? Rose, Rose didn't have a driver's license. Okay. She was 17. She didn't have a driver's license. And only after we were married, I, didn't, I got her a license, got her into her car, and got her a driver's license. And she still couldn't drive a clutch, even after, even up, up to her death, I don't think. Wow. I've yeah, learned how to drive in a clutch. clutch. That's like anyway. a rite of passage. Yeah. So, um... So is it true that your mother warned her not to marry you? Or is that a false statement too? My mother my mother told me that I was too young that I should Okay. Wait. So it was a matter I was of your age. When I, got not... I was twenty and she was okay. eighteen. And she said that I should have waited and actually I should have taken her advice. Right. I should have went fishing. I should have went up there to this little creek and went fishing and Flattened one of my tires or both of them so that I couldn't drive to the wedding. Right. That would be better. <laughs> I, I feel that about some of my ex-wives. Like, seriously, it's like, like I wish, you know, I, I'm not all for being drive-by shooting debt, but if, I, if somebody would have shot me, that would have been a better option. I think my father had more to do with me getting married than my mother for not getting married. My okay. father pushed the idea. He said okay. I needed to settle down. My dad had alternative motives. He had the mobile park we were building. He needed someone to run the park so he could go out there and play. Okay. And so he needed someone around there, and that's why Keith was always around to, to look after things while right. he went out and played. Okay. And so when I got married uh, and I was working, every time I got a job, he had to, had to infiltrate my job to find out what I was doing. Wow. Everywhere I went, he had to stick his nose where it didn't belong. Oh, well, yeah. See, because no. when I, like I said, because I've told you already I'm a documentary junkie. Um, but I was watching one where, uh, that said that your mother had told Rose that you were too emotionally, in, um, not insecure, but too, what is the word I'm looking for, Scott? Immature, oh, emotionally immature. To be married, and you know that, and she should have yeah, taken. Could be, you know. My mother probably was right. I probably was too emotionally or immature to get married at the time. Well, yeah, you were twenty. You I was know? twenty. Yeah. So I'm not going to argue with my mom. My mom was probably right. Right. Well, and no, course, and my mom didn't want my mom didn't want me to get married right away because I hadn't had time to live yet. I didn't even, wasn't even legally able to go out drinking. Right, exactly. You could barely vote. So <laughs> I, I couldn't. You know, I wouldn't vote anyway. I'm Canadian. Oh, there you go. There you have it. Yeah. Dang That's Canadians, right. come so, over here and not dang, voting. Dang Canadians. <laughs> Damn Canadian. Hey. Hey. No, that's, so, right. that's right, hey. You want to go out in a boot? <laughs> I used to say that to my last ex-wife because she's uh, from Calgary. Um, you know, because she she spoke very Canadian. She, hey, can you grab this out of the boot? I'm a, um, that's called a trunk. That's not a boot. <laughs> Then she, hey, let's go out in the boot. I'm, oh no, no, it's out and about. Well, your tires, your tires are the boots. Oh really? Yeah, she, the boot is your tire. She would go with the trunk, like the but, English do. I was well, going to say because it's the trunk that's in under England. the hood. I mean, under the lid. Oh well, okay. Now y'all are just making words up. <laughs> 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 I don't. I can't translate Canadian. The bonnet. 
The what? It's under the bonnet. <laughs> if, you say, if you talk to English people, it's under the bonnet. Right. So, yeah. That's funny. So, so no. um... Well, you know what a lorry is in, in England, right? Right. Isn't that a um, taxi? It's a truck. Oh, okay. A lorry is a truck. That's why my, my, my cousin was named Lori. My dad always called her truck. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling. I'm gonna start calling my son. My my son Tonka. <laughs> uh, Tank. <laughs> Tank the Tonka truck. No, because I mean, no, I get it. I get it. Um, no, because I. I mean, because I was curious about that. Because, um, but I mean, being 20 years old, because Scott and I talk. I mean, I know you know Scott's been married like 20 million times. I don't know, and. <laughs> You know, because him and I talk about, because we both love his first ex-wife to death. And I think that the reason why they didn't last very long is because they were both still kind of immature at the time. You know, so my mother, my mother's biggest concern was, was, was whether or not Rose was pregnant or not. Oh, there you have it. That was the the very first question out of her mouth was, is she pregnant? And I looked at my mom, I said, no, I'm more careful than that. Right. And I didn't really say that. <laughs> Did you say, no, Mom, I, I wore like, a raincoat. No, but I didn't say that we were more careful. Right. No, but she, and, and I didn't realize that why she asked that question was because of my older sister had gotten married. Uh. See, that, that's where that came from, is the fact that, you know, when, when, when Sharon was, um, you know, that's how that marriage came about, which is, kind of crazy that you have to get married because you get pregnant because in the old days I guess that's what you did oh yeah nowadays exactly. you get pregnant says all right you just leave me the hell alone I was gonna say nowadays yeah, you, get, you get pregnant in high school and you know get a separate room <laughs> it, you know and no. that that's another weird thing that's changed with all of our generations because like with with squatch's generation and mine and as well as yours Keith like if a girl got pregnant in high school that was like one of the worst freaking things that could happen uh-huh. and like that was a big family sca- scandal now teenagers get knocked up yeah well i know she's only 15 16 years old but that's okay we're all gonna raise the baby together it's like, like the God, my, pregnancy pack damn okay, man but, yeah but back then and, and my friend reg routley in, in canada knocked up his girlfriend they had to get married my brother's friend rick clark up there in canada did knocked up his girlfriend and they had to get married. It seemed like the normal thing to do. Yeah, because I remember when I was in high school, I think we had maybe two, two, maybe three girls who got pregnant in high school. It wasn't just something, you know, now they have pregnancy packs. It's like you have 10, 15 girls get pregnant at the same time, you know. Yeah, it's, but my mother, when she said, is she pregnant? I said, no. And then four years into the marriage, she says, when will she get pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, never. <laughs> yeah, never satisfied. Right? When are you going to give me yeah. grandkids? Now that you got married, give me grandkids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind wow. So, so um, yeah. It, uh, what was I going to say? Wasn't from the lack of trying. Not trying, right? Right, right, right. True, true. Yeah. true Practice true. makes perfect, I guess. Right, Scott? That's, well, that's why I'm kind of surprised. I actually, I've never gotten any of my ex-wives pregnant. You know what? I, I find the irony in that as well <laughs> yeah that's kind of weird like my, my my kids come from two different moms because you know i'm kind of a whore and uh but i never married him ever 
And God knows, Maritza should have been pregnant. Like, for real, man. God dang. I love her. Don't traumatize her that way. I do too, man. Maritza is just, she is phenomenal. Yeah. But, um, so, did you have a big, like a big wedding? Or was it just like a, like a I simple ceremony? I actually had to pay for the wedding. Okay. You know, the, the, the bride's supposed to pay for the wedding, but right. they didn't have any money. So I ended up paying for the wedding. I paid for the reception and the whole thing. Oh, wow. So you did have a big, like a, did you and have like a church my, wedding? And my, my parents called up all the relatives and all their friends and they invited them. It was a big party for them. <laughs> okay. It was. That was that's yeah. exactly what it was. It was a party for them. Wow. We got married and the first thing the wife says to me is, let's get the hell out of here. Wow. And of course, we're we're driving off in, in my dad's 1974 Chevy Blazer. And where did we go for our honeymoon? Well, we went to Canada. We went up to the Fraser Valley, and then we stopped into the homestead and did things that we probably should have done before we got married. Right. Right. Should have went up there and, and whatever like that. But anyway, the party was. We left the party. It was you know we paid for it all, but it, we just left it. It was everyone was having fun. I can imagine that if I had uh, stuck around, I probably would have uh, pl- got plowed or something like that. Something would end up on something along those lines. But right, uh, it, it was it was more for it was more for the family. Okay, my and- mother my mother was very much involved in in helping the catering part of it. My mother helped did all of the, a lot of those little knickknacks and stuff to make and different things. Okay, so that was a big thing my wife, my my girlfriend at the time wanted is the moment she turned 18, she wanted to get married. And of course, she sprung it on my mother and my mother, and she, she wanted to get married on on, on uh, July 12th. And of course, that was way too soon, and then we pushed it to August 2nd. Okay. Well, then, then and she thought the reason why we wanted to get married because she could be pregnant. And of course, that's, of course, when she went to the wedding... Uh, Rose was retaining water, so she looked pregnant. Oh, wow. So they all were looking at her like, we know what's really going on here. And then, of course, like I said, four years later, they're asking, when is she going to get pregnant? Anyway. So uh, I have a question then, because this just, I mean, because something just occurred to me. So with Rose wanting to get married as soon as she turned 18, was she trying to get out of her house? You know what I mean? Yeah. She wanted to get away from mom and her kids and her brother's. Okay. Her whole purpose, whole purpose to get married was to get away from where she was living and the situation that she was around. She didn't want to be around her brothers or her mom and her sister. She wanted to be away from them, get away from all that. Okay. And so I was kind of like being pushed along to, I was her, her way out. I was going to say, were you her, like, knight in shining armor to rescue her? Yeah, something like that. Okay. I was that person that was going to get her away from all of that. Okay. Now and that's that's how that's why I said it on my on my um, on my wedding morning. I was thinking, God, I better go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and I you just fishing. didn't I do it. Get a flat tire up in the hills and not make it back for the wedding. See, I'm really, Mertz, I really don't want to be. I really didn't want to do this. See, when Mertz and I got married after uh, the reception, and everything like that. We literally got back to my house in California, and. Uh, we, we got out of all the wedding garb, and I literally looked at her. God, I 
fucking hate people. <laughs> she said, no, I feel you. <laughs> I hate them, too. <laughs> so, now, I read somewhere or heard somewhere that your guys' honeymoon was in, like, a really cheap motel. I guess it would be. Oh, it was? I mean, we, we stopped at, it was like like a Motel 6 on the way to okay. Chilliwack. We stopped at the, at the motel, and then from there, uh, we didn't stick around Chilliwack. We drove up to Kamloops and oh. uh, did a little driving through British Columbia. But uh, I st- we stopped at whatever motel she wanted to stop at. <laughs> See, that's, that's like, because from what I was either read or heard that it was like, you guys didn't have any honeymoon plans. You just took her to a cheap motel and didn't even consummate well, we the marriage. Had, we had plans to go to Canada, and that was it. And okay. We didn't know exactly where we we're gonna where we we're gonna finish off at, but we right. did a, kind of a tour. Okay. And so it wasn't. Uh, it, if I wanted to go to a cheap hotel, would have went to Palomino and in Yakima and stopped there. Right. That's on North First Street. It would have been. It was a, that's a really kind of like one of those with the little hearts on the doors. I was going to say, is that one of those ones where you have to play guess what? Guess pay where that bullet hour. hole came from? No, <laughs> motel. Oh, and by the hour. Okay. Well, hold up. Well, like it, Scott's it, motel in in Nevada. Oh my God, we'll get into that in a minute. But I got to, I got you know, in Keith's defense, even if he didn't consummate the marriage, I know what that feels like. Like seriously, when Maritza and I got back when we got right. married, you're so freaking tired. Oh, it's I like, know. You want to fool around? It's like, um, you know, let's. Sleep Let's on that. Not. We'll see. That's how I was when I got married, too. And I remember my husband saying, well, come on. I'm like, fine. Let's do it. And then I ended up pregnant that night. So whatever. <laughs> no, but see, Rose and I had, had premarital sex. Right. So we knew what it was about, right? Oh, okay. So it wasn't all great. It wasn't all great, you know, anticipation of finding a way what each other were like in bed when okay. marriage was con- consummated. That makes sense that, now. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't give a shit about right consummating something we'd been doing already. I was gonna say, so it wasn't like it was a big hurried. Like, okay, now we're married. Let's do this. No. Okay. No. Okay. See, uh, that makes sense. We had now. done this probably six months before the marriage actually took place. Okay. And then, of course, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't anything special. Oh, prior to the marriage, we were, we were just. The marriage was to get out of our house. Right. We're doing it. It was, it was something that had to be done to, in order to get away from our families. Okay. And then what ended up happening is we ended up moving into the mobile park right behind my dad's house. Well, you know. And then, of course, my dad was over there knocking on my door on the weekends trying to take up all my time to help him out with his mobile park while I was at And I'd bring my backhoe home from the job I was on. Right. So I was always helping my father. I was always there. My whole weekends were taken up by my by the family. Okay. And, and Rose, Rose was dealing with my mother. My mother was more of a a mother to her, and and guidance and guidance on what to do with the marriage and different things. She was a counselor for us. Okay. She was she was helping Rose. You know, get kind of like. Uh, situated in the marriage, she didn't really realize what she was getting into. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we moved into a, a travel trailer for the first little bit, and I sold the travel trailer for enough money to make a down payment on a, on a three-bedroom mobile home, which we put on a park, in the park. 
And at that point on, I kept trying to go bigger and bigger and get better and better. And um, I bought her a car, you know, I bought her a 71 Javelin to, to learn how to drive in. And then after she drove around with that and got touched with that, I went down to the lot and bought a brand new 1976 Ford Granada Ghia two-door, uh, all-leather, power, everything car. Wow. 302 V8. Beautiful car. Wow. It's one of the collector cars they have nowadays. It's like a like a Mustang, a Granada Mustang kind of thing. Right. And yeah, and then yeah, it was one of those things that. And then of course my lawsuit against the Seal School District came through in June of 1976, in which I became a part owner in the park, and that became my my big job. And that's where we stayed in, in wow. as as a manager of the park for a couple of years. Okay. Now, here's a fashion question for you. Did you really wear a blue suit to your wedding? A blue suit? Yeah, were you were you dressed in a blue suit, like a blue tuxedo? Yeah. Okay. No, I yeah. just went because that's a fashion question. That's all. <laughs> okay. That, that, that leads me yeah. to the one that, did it have the big poofy center? That's another question you didn't ask me. Did I actually kiss the bridesmaid the, the day before? Oh, did you? Yes, I did. God dang, you go, Studley. You go, playa, playa. <laughs> yeah, she, her name is Pam. She's the one that was that oh. on me off on Rose to begin with. Oh. I wanted to know what she, I wanted, I wanted to know what she tasted like, so I kissed her. And she kissed me back. Oh, my and my goodness. wife said, didn't think the wedding, my wife didn't think the wedding would happen. And that's so how the porn right started. <laughs> I'll call you right back. Okay. 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 Welcome back again, Keith. All right. Well, like I well, like I said, I think the the one memory I have of kissing Pam, the the bridesmaid, was that actually I think that was the best kiss I had in all my life. Oh damn! Wow. Seriously? Yeah, I think that it was actually something I wanted to do, and and she did kiss me back, and I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> now my wife and my girlfriend at the time, Rose, didn't think too much about it. <laughs> Right. You know, she was like, looked over and said, this isn't going to last. That's where you got to look around you know, and go, is there a trade-in program? going to last or anything like that. But, you know, I'd, I'd always had wondered, I always wanted to take Pam out anyway. That would been yeah. my biggest. I was always asking her out. I never asked. I, the only time that I was pawned off on Rose was when Rose was there. But I'd asked Pam several times before I even met Rose. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But she so, had a really nice little TR7, you know, Triumph that I like to, you know, I couldn't never drive, but she could drive with me. Look, he remembers the car, Scott. <laughs> this is red. true. This is true. But here he is making red. out with the bridesmaids. That's, oh, dude. that's pretty, that, that's he hardcore player. The back door. I could have come out, I could have stayed out the back door, waited for her to come out there and, 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 and pounced on her and had, you know, kissed her hand. But he was, was a straight a gentleman pimpin'. at the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm just at a loss for words. I can't even formulate a question. Because <laughs> I had never, I mean, when you said that, it took me by surprise. I hadn't heard that before. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? I know that they, I've heard that. I heard they, they, you kissed the bridesmaid. I said, well, yeah. Of course right. I did. Yeah, but she's the one I wanted to go out with. with. See, the, when you said that, when you asked me, it's like you didn't ask me if I kissed the bridesmaid. It's like, well, you know, is that a tradition in Canadian weddings to kiss the bridesmaid too? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's one of the that's one of the things everyone been like. 
oh my God, the horror of it all, I kissed a bridesmaid. What big deal? I mean, I'm like, she's the one I wanted to date in the first place. Yeah. I still would have been asking about trade-in program. Like, hey, yeah. can I upgrade this model <laughs> just a <laughs> little bit? Like, can I do I a take-sees-backsees exchange program I should have walked in the wedding and, and walked on up and walked over to her and said, get your ass over here and <laughs> kick this other one to the curb and... Yeah, see? You and I get married. There you go. Maybe things would have been different, yeah. right? You could have done like a sporting event. You could have stepped <laughs> up and sat there and go, ladies and gentlemen, there'll be a change of venue and a change of yeah. the lineup. <laughs> yeah. Starting. Everything is going to be. I'm still paying for the wedding. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Switch hitters. <laughs> <laughs> Up at the mound now. <laughs> I just got a horrible pain in my head. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of wonder about these girls that I've known in my life, where they are now. Right. You know, I mean, it really, it really does. I, I, I remember this gal named Nikki that that in high school. You know, she was this tall, anorexic-looking gal that everyone kind of made fun of. But I really liked her, and, and later, I think around my. 20 years after high school, I, I stopped at a minute mark here north in Yakima. She was she was behind the counter, and I wanted to reach over and kiss her so bad. Oh. I just I just I really liked her. I was going to take her water skiing with me one time back in so you know back when I was in high school. So even after I mean, because you ran into her again later and still felt attraction towards her. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's very that's, nice. Yeah, that's very what nice I want to clarify. She had two or three kids at the time. Didn't matter. It was just. Uh, she had those, you know, those, just just a beautiful face and, and eyes and everything just kind of like perked. She wow. kind of smiled really quick when she saw me. She kind of like everything kind of like perked up. I don't know. Oh. Worked for me. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, because, yeah. you know, because it's like, because I know, Keith, uh, not Keith, but Scott and I have talked about this before, that a lot of times when we're reading articles, I mean, of, you know, cases that we cover in general but specifically yours because we're talking to you is the writer makes it seem like you were not able to have a normal like relationship or feelings towards people you know what i mean so well they you know they, they want to come up with a solution here and, and it's really easy for them to say stuff like that when right. they don't know me exactly and it's like i mean because they, I mean, cause didn't you get that feeling too, Scott, when you were reading no, the book I, and everything I did. that he w- he was just like unable to connect with people like well, that. With, with everything that I read, it almost makes uh, makes Keith sound like he was almost like afraid of girls. Yeah, exactly. Without without actually saying that he was terrified of girls or anything like that, it was almost like you know that with every girl ever, he was just super awkward and didn't you know was afraid to approach him. You know that that kind of a thing and in yeah. reality it's all bullshit yeah. you know I, I gotta call a spade a spade even with these professional crime writers you know and a, I know that we have a couple that listen to our show too your guys' stuff is bullshit yeah and I mean yeah cause it's like they I guess it's try to, to try to put you in that sociopathic box you know because that's common among like, sociopaths they cannot connect with people like that well, it's like I'm sitting there at Bruce's truck stop there in Bakersfield. They have a couple park benches out there, and all the hookers hang around and sit around the park benches. And I'll go sit around with them. I'll sit there and talk to them. And they're like, do you want to go have some company? I said, no, that's all right. I'd just like to sit there and talk to you. 
Dude, I used to I used to do the same thing at the. Scott uh, used to go to a brothel. Yeah, uh, just well, to do that. Well, hold on, I'm, I'm sure Keith knows well, what these brothel, places are. The brothels in, in Nevada cost too much. Well, you the know, like I, Cottontail Club. I've been to the Cottontail Club. Oh, nice! It's a thousand dollars you walk in the place. It's twenty dollars for a coke. Damn! Yeah, I used Why to go. Why would I want to go to this place? Eh? I used to go over it's to like told, Donna's Ranch um, there in Wells because they uh, they they offered up. Yeah, okay. they always had. They offer you the free shower and coffee. I get it. Yeah, and they had good, <laughs> well, and, and they had good food too. <laughs> Dude, I was on a dedicated run. I would stop there once a week. I'd chat with the hookers, I, you know, and I'd call out on the CB whenever I heard them. I'd hey, man, like, what's the dinner special tonight or whatever? They were yeah. freaking fantastic. Yeah, and I stayed away from Donner's Ranch. Now, I, I've been through there, the area, but I never could find the time to stop. Because right? oh. I'd cross, I, you know, I was headed down 93, right? Right. So... I'd head down 93 towards, and I'd stop at some of the smaller little places further south. Down by, like, Eli or something like that. Okay. So I did, so Wells, Wells was right on the, on, on I-80 and, uh, 93. Okay. And it was one of those, when you're coming, they had a base station and they'd call out free coffee to the truckers and, showers and, and stuff like that you get there and there's always it's, it's an advertisement to entice you know to get people to be there and once you're there the girls are walking around and they're kind of in their prancy little negligees so you're seeing everything pretty much what you could get anyway right it's like window shopping now, how do i <laughs> how do i know that's what they're doing because i had other drivers tell me i wasn't personally involved here <laughs> right. So you've heard. Well, I had wink, him, wink. Heard. I had I him heard. so well That's trained <laughs> that uh, I had him so well trained that in the mornings, like they they would ask me, you know, before I went out to my truck, hey, Scotty, what time do you got to be up in the morning? And I'd tell them, and they would knock on my door, give me a nice little wake up call without pounding, and they'd have my coffee ready for me. And every time they say, hey, you know, do you want anything for breakfast before you leave? We can whip you up some, you know, some eggs and some bacon and some hash browns and things like that. They were great. I fucking, I stopped there wait, every week. Wait a minute. We need to back the truck up here a second. You had them trained? They're not dogs. <laughs> they were, they were well conditioned. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like the way Keith put it better. <laughs> No, that's that's a joke between Scott and I because he used to joke around saying that he wanted some women to put in a kennel. <laughs> it's just more obedient. That's right. That's right. Okay. right? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll tell Keith why. Okay, so here's the thing: when when her brother was out with his wife and they were having their second child, she was uh, house sitting uh, at at their house. Yeah, I was babysitting the oldest and, and babysitting the oldest. And she goes, hey, this Korean lady is supposed to show up and do some house cleaning and start doing cooking and prepping everything for, you know, my brother and his wife to come home. It's like 3.59 in the afternoon or whatever. No, she was supposed to be there at 10 a.m. And I'm talking to you at like 9.58. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see her anywhere, though. Like nobody's pulling up or nothing. At 10 on the dot, (laughs) she magically appeared. She may have crawled out of a cupboard. (laughs) We don't Knocking on the door. (laughs) Yeah. But she's like right freaking there. Doesn't say anything, comes in, goes, I have to clean. And boom, <laughs> does everything, cooks, cleans everything, and then 
disappears. And I told her, I want two of them. And I said, I'm, I'll go get large kennels for them. And she said, no, you can't keep people in kennels. I said, fine. They can roam around the backyard. They can be free-range Asians. That's okay. Yeah. And she said, no, you can't do that either. I'm still trying to, because she knows Asians. She she knows yeah. Koreans. I want two Korean girls. I was just, yeah, I grew up in a Korean family. My brother's half Korean, so is my son, and my sister-in-law is full Korean. So we called this lady the Korean Mary Poppins. <laughs> well, my boxing coach, my boxing coach in Canada was Korean. Oh, wow. Every time we went to a, a Chinese place for food, he would order for us boxers. He'd tell us, don't ask what it is, just eat it, it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, they, you know what? Koreans say that. That is no lie. Because my Korean grandma and grandpa would say that to me all the time. Eat. It's good for you. It's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the things that he, he was very push on us was, was ginseng. Oh, yeah. That's he a big put, thing. We, we buy the body, the red antler uh, mm-hmm. ginseng in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It tasted like, it would taste like uh, caterpillar spit. Yeah. See, that's what people say, but yeah. I love ginseng because I grew Ew. up on it. It's gross. I, I will literally great. no, I will literally go to the store and get those little tiny bottles that have the ginseng root in it and drink those yeah, all day long. That's right. I love them. Yeah, well, I, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth match, before we, we before we get in, like we go out there in box before mm-hmm. we get in a match, we would have a bottle of ginseng extract and we yep. drink half that damn bottle before we went in the ring. Yeah. It, it's actually, it actually very good us, for you. It helped, it helped our muscles and everything else yep. relax and so forth. Yeah, it, it's it, energy and everything. Yeah, yeah. I grew I grew up on that. I mean, I like I said, no, I, I grew up in a Korean family. Name, so yeah, my coach's name was was Kai Yip. Kai Yip. Why? That was his name. Okay. Kai Yip. Yeah, wow. Was, yeah, very nice man. Very nice man. Interesting. That was up. In, that was in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. Wow. Yeah, because. Like exactly. I said, I, I know exactly up, where that is. I was going to say, I grew up in a Korean family. My stepdad was Korean, and all of his relatives were here. So, I mean, I never forget. I mean, and I miss it now when I get sick. But my Korean grandma, Hamani, used to always make us fish head stew, which is like a kimchi stew with fish heads boiled in it. And it was really good and helped you get better, you know? Yeah. So One of the things that he had was I want to hear about your exploits in the ring, not outside of the ring. Okay. That was his biggest push on that. And I'm I'm afraid that if he heard about my exploits outside the ring now? and a convicted murderer, he would not be very happy about it. Yeah, I don't think now, so. Did he, like, did he, no. being a boxing coach and everything, because I know that, you know, Koreans are more into, like, martial arts and stuff like that, which is another yeah. form. But was he very, like, strict regimented discipline? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Okay. To a degree. To a degree. Right. You know, it's, now he had, he opened his house up to a friend of mine named Rick Duff. Rick Duff was a four-time Canadian boxer. He was about 18 years old at the time, the last time I saw him. And uh, he, he, and he, he had his house opened up to him, so that's where Rick stayed. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was nice. He's a very nice person. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, it's, uh, huh. I, I got a lot of, um, uh, in, in talking to him and, and dealing with uh, his his regimen on how he trained and everything like that, I was I was very impressed. Let's just say. Wow. Yeah. Did um. I almost said something very stereotypical. Like, did he fight with Bruce Lee? No. <laughs> You're such a racist. God dang, Squatch. Fucking racist. I'm kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> and I can be. Damn it. 
Like you always say, I can say that because I was married to one. I can say that. I lived with them. Uh, I, yeah, I can, I can well, use the word midget because I, I was married to a midget. Back in 82, I drove up to Mayerthorpe, uh, Alberta, which was the Golden Gloves. And we walked, we were walking in, and, and uh, I could hear people talking, looking at me. They thought, they thought I was a coach. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, they thought I was one of the coaches because back then I was like 27, 28 years old. So, so, yeah, I was just old for a fighter. Wow. So how how deep into boxing did you get? Because I never heard that you were in boxing either. Well, there's a lot of things you haven't heard. But I know. Um, I've uh, I wasn't great at it. Let's just say I was. My dad started the boxing club in Chilliwack, British Columbia. So all of us kids kind of like learned how to fight to a degree, and then. I took it up in Lethbridge uh, again when I moved in the area. Lost a lot of weight. It, it helped me lose weight. And, uh, and I, I, let's say I won the I won the Golden Gloves there in the senior division there in in '82, and uh, that was okay. I mean that's that's accomplishing something anyway. Right. Totally. And I was like a I took like a, a silver medal at the Silver Gloves. At the provincials, I fought a couple times, and then yeah, it was just one of those things. That I I maintained myself, although I I lost. You, you lose fights; you're not going to win all of them. Right now, um, so my you... overall my overall boxing career, I think I'm I'm, I'm 46 and 16. Okay, is win. I won 46, lost 16 fights. Right, it's who you lose it to is is the question. I mean. You, who you want against is one thing, and who you lose is another. Right. Now, now is, there's a difference in amateur sports in the United States versus Canada or anywhere else. Right. You can't, uh, in Canada, they look after you. In the United States, you have to kind of like look after yourself. Right, right. Now, well, I have a question for you then. Now, did you did you get into boxing as a way of, like, for... I, not catharsis, but like therapeutic to like air out your frustrations, or was it just because you were honestly interested in the sport and you wanted to play? And you wanted to participate. Well, I, I was interested. I was interested in it, but also to lose weight. It was. It was another. It's like I took Taekwondo for a couple of years. <coughs> I learned okay. how to break my toes. I learned how to break my toes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because my son. You know, so, but yeah. At the same time, it was all about losing weight or getting into shape and, and learning. You know, it was something new. Right. You reach out and try. Okay. And, you know, you, so this was, you know, the boxing I had, a lot of the fights were not sanctioned or anything like that. It was all right. uh, amateurs, amateur. So it was basically almost sparring fights is all they are. Right. Okay. So there's a guy in Canada named Peter Petrick that was a good fighter, but he was, he was also a bouncer at a bar. And he got in trouble as a bouncer because he'd take the fight to the street. Oh yeah. When you when you're a bouncer, you leave the fight. The fight you have is in the in that building. When you take it to the street, then you're out of your jurisdiction. Right, right, right. So you end up getting caught in, in a, you get into trouble, you get an assault because these hands are lethal weapons, right? Oh, it, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what's really weird about? I mean, because I mean, I know you guys are joking about that, but when my son was, because my son was in martial arts, he was in taekwondo for several years. And um, 
he, I mean, he was an international gold medalist by, before he was five years old, and he was told by his instructor, you are trained this way. The amount of pressure it takes for you to break this board is the same that it would take to break a grown man's leg. So you need to be careful, you know, That's right. because you are trained in it. You can get into a lot of trouble if anything like that happens. So my son, even as he got older, wouldn't horseplay with his friends because he didn't want to hurt them, you know. Well, I broke my neighbor's arm one time. Wow. And uh, at the same time, I was taking first aid at school, so I was able to fix it, too. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, because a lot of, I mean, a lot of the other kids were like, why isn't Jeremiah playing around like he, you know, the other boys are? I said, because he's afraid he's going to hurt them. And then when you notice my son is like twice as big as all of his friends because he's like nine foot 12, you know, I can understand why he thought that, you know, so... You got to be careful who you play with, right? How you play. Uh, when I was in wrestling in high school, there's lots of times that they'd stop the match because I, I had so much leverage leverage in my arms, my long arms, that they didn't want me to snap a neck or 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 an arm or a leg, right? Because you can, I could do a full Nelson on someone's one arm, where right most people would only have do a half Nelson. That's all you're allowed to do is a half Nelson. Well, I'd put my arm around the guy's neck and all the way back, and they'd stop me because I had a full Nelson on him with one arm. Wow. And so, yeah, they they really have to watch what's going on because it's all about leverage, different things. Right. So fighting is fighting, you know. But then you've got to be, as a trained fighter, regardless of how, how rigorous you've been trained, they still, if, if I were to go to court on a fight, I'd lose because I was a trained fighter. Regardless right. of how trained I was, the, the moment I stepped in a ring to be trained by amateur or professional, regardless, right, is is that uh, I'm going to I'm going to take it because it, they're going to win every time, right? Because I'm I'm supposed to know better, right? You know, and that that's it's one like thing. A, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a cop being pulled over for speeding. Yeah, on his off duty, said he's <laughs> supposed to know better. True. True. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that that's actually very interesting that you have that perspective, too. Because I did know that you were in wrestling in high school. So, to know that you were in boxing, too, is pretty interesting. I was into wrestling in the bedroom, but that was only with ex-girlfriends and a few ex-wives. That was after your cousin. Be quiet. There might, the, there might have been a goat involved. I'm not sure. Weird <laughs> things happen. Weird things happened in my 20s. got to watch him in the clutches. Dude, you just don't even know. <laughs> Stop it. So, um, yeah, this I mean, this has actually been really interesting because we're learning stuff we didn't know, Scott. This is true. I'm digging this. Red. Yeah. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? So, I know, right? I know, Jeopardy. <laughs> so, what my thing is, is I get this, these trains of thoughts and then I lose them right away because I go somewhere else because I have ADD. But, um, so my next question is, is why didn't you continue... Is it because the amateur circuit here in the U.S. is different than it is in Canada? Is that why you didn't continue when you got here? Came here? Well, I, when, when I when I moved back from Canada in '83, I did. I actually went to the Natchez Boxing Club in Natchez, Washington. Okay. Willie Johnson, Willie Johnson, that runs the club, is a well, he's a Washington State Patrol captain. Okay. And and yes, I went to the club, but like I said, the clubs in in, in the amateur bracket in the united states if you go to a fight card 
let's say if I went from Natchez, Washington, over to, let's say, Portland, Oregon, I'd have to pay for my travels to Portland and then okay. have to pay for my rink, my corner guy, and uh, everything, all my motel is paid for and everything is paid for. I have to be, pay all of that, so it's a rich man's sport okay. what it is. Amateur, amateur sports in the United States, is, you got to have a, 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 a good backing. you got to have sponsors right. and stuff to help you out. In Canada, let's say, I would go to Lethbridge, uh, it's Edmonton or Medicine Hat or wherever, if I were to drive, if they they would drive me there to where I'm going, they'd pay for my lodging and everything. The only thing I'd have to pay for is my food. Wow. So it'd be like normal. It'd be like a normal day. I'd, I'd pay my food. They'd cover all the other expenses. Okay. Whereas in here in the United States, it, it, you'd have to cover it yourself. So when I came back in 83 and I, I went over to the uh, Natchez Boxing Club and I did some practice with them, but they, they met, you know, a couple times a week, and it was in basically a, an old warehouse with the with the bags hanging from the ceiling and everything, and it wasn't a well-processed club. Right. You know, you weren't going to get, you know, this wasn't going to be like Gold's Gym or anything like that, so mm-hmm. I, I stuck around with it for a little while, and then uh, I got, just got away from it, because let's just face it, boxing is, like I said, you have to you have to commit yourself to a regiment of exercise and to the sport. Right. You really have to push. I can't, as a married man, have you know a, a job that eight to twelve hours a day, you know, working on the job. Then, ideally, to be a good boxer or a good fighter, you've got to spend six to eight hours right. practicing every day and going through the round, the room, you're just weightlifting program and running and everything like that. So it's, right. it's, it's kind of one of those sports that you really have to have commitment and you've got to be free from family. I was just say free from it. family and, you know, other, you know. Obligations. Yeah. You cannot, it has to be your life. It's really a, it's, it's one of those sports that's good when you're a kid because you're, that's why amateurs with, with boxing and, and most sports is that you're a kid when you're doing it. Right. And your parents are, are covering your costs. Right. When you become an adult, where you have to cover all the costs, as well as work and both sides, it's really hard to maintain the sport. Right. And so I I just feathered away from it. I I was an old fighter at 27, 28 years old. Well, yeah, by then... You know, by then I'm an old guy. I mean, most most guys that are amateur go pro about when they get to be about 21, 22 years old. Right. Or 20, right in there, they've... They've gotten past the amateur status, and then they go to a professional status. But to be a professional fighter, you really have to carry a, a you have to have a good record as an amateur to right. push forward into the professionals. Right. It's it, it's a tough racket, it really is. Well, it's a yeah, really tough racket. I've heard that boxing is a tough sport to like, you know, really get invested in. You know, because of the well, competition you and you can't, you really, you, you, I, I, I know guys out there right now that are fifty years old that train fighters. Okay. I have a friend in New York named Dominic Thompson. He trains fighters. That's what he does. He does that on the weekends and on whatever he is. He gives them sessions, private sessions, teach them how to fight, how to box, and, he, and he's brown belt in, okay. in, in martial arts. And he pushes on, and he has a good clientele. He knows like uh, the daughter of Muhammad Ali. 
right? Oh, Layla. He has good connections. He has really good connections. Right. But he's a, he's he's no longer in the amateur. He's not a fighter anymore. He's a trainer. Right. And he does that. He does his job. He has his own job he has to do, and that's what he has to do. Wow. So he does it. He does a great job training people. Right. And he does what he that he he. he pushes along the sport, he carries it forward, because that's what his, one of his loves is. Right. And in doing that, I mean, you know, he has to maintain, and, and it, it's, a, it's a tough balancing act. Right. No, I mean, that, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Because, I mean, you, I mean, you hear about it with Olympic athletes, especially, that it's, it's a dedication. You know what I mean? It's not just a something you think you want to do it's something you have to like be married to basically you do it is it is a marriage yeah that'd be a good a good summary of the whole thing you are married to it yeah and and then your your real wife doesn't understand but that's like any any career that you choose time with with the fight than you are with her i was gonna say scott had that problem when his marriage is too in his work yeah, because like with, with the music gig, because I've been dedicated to this since I mean I've been playing guitar since I was four years old. I've been in the industry since I was just before my I turned eighteen, and my job takes precedence over seriously almost everything except for maybe my kids, you know. And uh, and I and there's times when I have lulls where I don't get a whole lot of projects, but there's other times that I'm just slammed wall to wall. But that's mostly my fault. I overextend myself. I was going to say, yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> but, um... We over... Uh, our problem is we overindulge. Yeah, no, we true. Keep, we have something of a good thing, and we keep on pushing for it, and that's why we, we keep overindulging ourselves. Yeah. I mean, and, and Scott's like that, too. I mean, he will, he will like, overbook himself because, you know, something might fall through. <laughs> so... Well, yeah, that's, that's our problem. Yeah. You know, we we just kind of like keep pushing and pushing, and, and, and there come a time when we have to slow down. When, uh, when's that going to happen? God, I've heard that so many <laughs> damn times. Like, you need to slow down, and I always promise, yes, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to cut my hours yeah. way back, and, no. you know, I'll only put in like 90 hours a week, you know, and or 80 hours a week, and then pretty soon I'm back up to more than that, and I'm just, and not sleeping, I look like shit, and then I get all grumpy and bitchy. And then he yells at me, and then I have to yell back. And, oh yeah, I remember know. when I was talking to that to that one uh, record executive, that uh, oh that, that yeah, producer. yeah 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 yeah. I kind of took it out on you, and I still feel like a yeah. dick. Yeah, because you know he deals with people all the time, and what, him and I usually talk to each other every day in the mornings, especially, but sometimes throughout the day. And he didn't call me for like a day and a half. I'm like, "Are you okay?" And he like yelled at me in a text message. I'm like, "Okay, just wanting to know if you were okay. Nothing more." <laughs> But no. yeah. So um, let's see here. What else was I, I had? One more thing I wanted to ask. Well, be quick because we're almost at that minute. I know. Warning. I think I think I'll have to leave it. One minute. Ask it next. Oh, there you go. I will. I'll just think what? of it again and ask it. Yeah, next I can time. call you right back. Let me call you one more time. All right, but okay, we'll talk we'll to you in that. a minute. Bye bye. All right. All right, boys and girls. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twisted blue llc dot com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Oh, what am I forgetting? Uh, get over to our Facebook page. Page, give us a little bit of love over there. That would help out. 
Uh, check out the YouTube page and, uh, and all that good stuff. Remember, this show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will talk to you guys later. And don't forget, if you're hearing this on anybody else's podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.